0: Hola. <risa> <laughs> Just to me. Hi, this is Jen Grant, and you're Hi, listening. Hi, this is Graham Kay. Hi, and you are listening. this is Adam Fox, and you're listening to the. This is Dylan the- Mandelson, and you're listening to the. This is Brian Hatt, and you are listening to the Julian. Hi, this is the word man of Alcatraz. Señores, Hey,
1: everybody, this is a little Darren Frost.
0: Okay, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay,
1: now <I'm> just fine. <laughs> Mi nombre
0: es <laughs> <laughs> <is> Fabio McDonnell, <laughs> y están escuchando you're a Julian. Julian Dion. This is Dave Sidhu, and you're listening to the Julian Dion Comedy Cod Pass. Podcast hour. <laughs> <laughs> <Time>.
1: Okay. <laughs> Showcase. You are listening to the Julian Dion. <laughs> (laughs) Comedy Uh, Comedy Hour Podcast. Hola. This episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour, that's episode 12. 12. The second installment of the West Coast Tapes is brought to you once again by Echo One Photography. Toronto listeners, if you're looking to get some headshots done for whatever reason, whether you're a comedian or musician or actor or business guy or woman, it doesn't matter really. Just go to Echo One Photography and get those done. They'll get you some damn good shots. Also, if you own a business and you're looking to get some product photography for e-commerce or advertising purposes, look no further. Echo One Photography does it all. It can come to you with remote shoots, whatever. Figure it out. Do it to, to Get it done right. Email Eugene, that's E-U-G-E-N-E, at echoonephotography.com, and enter JDCH in the subject line for special offers. Do it today you uh. Here we are, episode 12 of the Julie Dion Comedy Hour podcast. Coming at you from the west coast of Canada, from Vancouver, from Deep Cove, British Columbia, specifically. This is the second installment of the west coast tapes. I'm on the road, so I'm interviewing some friends out here. My guest today, Jason Lamb, an awesome comic originally from Victoria. He lived in Vancouver and did some comedy for a bit, now he's back in Victoria, he's a DJ at a morning radio station there, The Zone, and we had a great chat, you're going to enjoy that a lot. I respect Jason, he's a very funny comic, great writer, and we'll get into that in a little bit. I'm coming at you right now from Not Lemon Press Studios, oh by the way, hi, how you doing? You good? I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm, I'm actually specifically recording this in a little office vestibule, a little, little cabin sort of built into the side of a mountain in Deep Cove behind my sister's house. It's her sort of like studio. It's an art studio that was converted into an office, and it's, what time is it? 1.51 a.m. Pacific, so it's... Late eastern time It's 4.51 Is that right? My math right? Yeah, shit Motherfucker And it's storming here It's the tail end of tropical storm Ana Spelled A-N-A Which is the Portuguese way of spelling Ana And I know a few Ana's A-N-A And uh, they're usually aggressive So this tropical storm is properly named Ana A-N-A None of this soft A, double N, A That wouldn't be a very strong storm I don't know what I'm saying anymore But it's a tropical storm It's dark in this little cabin of sorts It's pouring rain outside Maybe you can hear it Can you hear it? I know, all you can hear is that sweet, sweet garage, baby West Coast, Canada. I love it here. The West Coast is my happy place. I mean, as soon as I get off the plane here, there's just something about the vibe and the mountains and the ocean and all those ingredients mixed in together that just makes me so happy. It's picturesque. It's great. It's laid back. My kind of people out here. My people. Had a great weekend in Victoria. At Heckler's Comedy Club Friday and Saturday. Had awesome shows. I was there with uh, Ron Vaudry, whom I also interviewed for the podcast. I had Sean Proudlove on Friday's episode and uh, banged out a few interviews. We've got some good stuff coming up for you. So two great shows. Heckler, they just do it right there at Heckler's. Aaron, the owner, one of the owners, it's Aaron and Derek. Aaron's always around and he's a fan of comedy and he watches the show and he pays attention and they treat the, the, the comic comics. Great, the whole staff. It's just one of those great gigs. And I talked to Aaron. I actually interviewed him. His episode will be coming up uh soon. But it's funny because he like their experience, they only know hecklers. They haven't traveled or, or gone to other comedy clubs, so they don't know how well they're doing things, but they're just they seem to pay attention to all the minor details that make a difference in a comedy club. And it's a great, great gig. So if you are in Victoria, and you're listening to this even you've never been, go support that club. It's a great, great thing happening in your city. So we had two great shows, packed house all the time. I've been to that club about a half dozen times, and it's always full and electric. The people are there. They're, they're ready to watch comedy. It's always fun. And Jason, my guest today, is the house MC there. He hosts at least every Friday for sure, and every once in a while he'll do both days, Fridays and Saturdays. So he's always coming at you with fresh material, and it's always really good. Anyway, we'll get into that in a little bit. So I had two shows, one Friday, one Saturday, and then I made my way back to Vancouver. I did the same thing with the ferry that I did with my flight, where I decided I'd take their first ferry out of the island, Vancouver Island, back to Vancouver, which that was 7 a.m. So that meant I had to get up at 5.30 after a show. So you, you know, you finish the show, by the time you unwind and actually fall asleep, it's 2, 2.30. Woke up at 5.30, three hours later to catch the 7 a.m. train, or ferry, rather. And uh, so I was exhausted yesterday, and I had a show last night in Coquitlam at the Hard Rock Casino in the Asylum Sound Room. And I gotta tell you something, I bombed. Holy shit, like I haven't bombed in a long time It was uh, spectacular. So I show up to this gig on three hours sleep. I'm completely exhausted. And I actually did this, I, I had a nap. I'm not a big napper because every time I do, I fall asleep and I wake up in a fit of panic no matter what. Even if I have nothing to do, it's unjustified, but it's always I wake up in a complete fit of pure fear of what I don't know. So I had a nap because I was on 3 hours sleep and woke up two hours later with about an hour to go to showtime. I was a half-hour away. I feel like this is a ninth-grade math problem. Julian wakes up one hour to showtime, half an hour from Coquitlam, and he drives 110 kilometers an hour, and he slept two hours. What time does he get to the venue? 25 to 9. F- panicking. So, and it was one of those naps where you wake up and you're groggy. And you can't really shake it. You're just like, Ugh, I could have slept all night. All night. Instead, I have to jar my body awake and go perform for strangers. So, I get to the Hard Rock Casino. I've never been there. So, it's all unfamiliar territory. And... I walk in, and the asylum sound, asylum sound room is basically the, a room in the middle of the casino, but there aren't any walls. It's just a giant room, and it's uh, like a circular space, and there's a giant theater curtain going all around the, the space. So you can hear very well when you're in the room. You can hear the VLTs and the action happening in the casinos and the screens and everything. So you walk into the room, and it's it's buzzing and it's loud and there's like 200 people in there at least two to three hundred and it's a big cavernous room tall ceilings which oh like for comedy the best case scenario is a small room packed tight low ceilings good acoustics and that just all those little ingredients make for one hell of a an environment and once you start taking away those adding a high room cavernous ceiling in a big room it just makes it a little bit more difficult not not the issue but anyway so I get there and I go in the green room and Sonny Dollywall comic is hosting the show and there's Charlie Damaris and Ivan Decker two awesome comics based out of Vancouver here and so we shoot the shit a little bit and I'm sort of groggy, kind of still, try to snap out of it, feeling a bit out of my element and uneasy. And we decide to start the show on time, 9 o'clock. So Sonny goes up, he's doing his thing. He's he's doing all right. He's getting them. He's got them. So the audience is ready to laugh. It's it's. Let's do this. So he does about 15 minutes off the top, and he brings me up, introduces me. Nice intro. I get up, there's a great big stage. I get up, and I'm in my head. It's one of those things, when you bomb, you can almost sense it happening before it's happening. You kind of fuck yourself up, in a way. Mentally. If you're in a certain headspace, sometimes it's just inevitable you're going to bomb. And I tell you, it hasn't happened in a long time, and I wish I could say I'm past that, but I don't think you're never really past bombing. It can happen at any time. So... I go up and I hadn't looked at my notes at all all weekend. I was just all weekend I've just been going up on stage and sort of tweaking and I'm doing newer material so I'm kind of figure out the order mentally and so I should have gone over my notes but I didn't especially being so tired but I didn't. So I go up and I do my opening line and it's it's okay. It gets a it gets decent reaction. So I'm like, "All right, this is fine." Do the second one, it gets a reaction. And then I Get into a bit, I do this dumb line where I go, I'm paraphrasing, but it's something along the lines of I torture myself when it comes to substances, like I'll smell bottles of booze and basically do the opposite of what you're supposed to do when you're trying to quit things. I enjoy getting contact high, so I'll get my friends to blow weed in my in my face. I encourage them to smoke around me. I'm like, yeah, exhale in this direction, yeah. Yeah, send that this way, shit, yeah. Blow it over here. I'll suck your dick if you blow it in my face. A blow for a blow. It's not gay if you rhyme it. That's what the nice man that got me contact high last night said to me. Something like that. And the room kind of just all froze. They they sort of took that way too literally and kind of believed me. So I had about 250 people collectively judging me severely. And it was just like this massive room of people just looking at me like, bro, what? Dude, wh- just smoke a joint. What's wrong with you? Why would you, why would you suck a guy's dick to get a little taste of uh, of of wheat? Just smoke a joint. That's that's the sense I got from everyone. So I'm like, I think I even commented on it. Like you guys took that way too literally. So that's another thing that wasn't helping me. I I I like called them out with hostility anyway. And then I started like tripping up on words. I'm I'm sort of... Words aren't coming out that well. I'm like mumbling. I'm going too fast a little bit and then I'm dropping tags and skipping over middle parts of jokes just so I can get to the punchline just to get some sort of reaction because I'm feeling like the room is turning a little bit. Sean Proudlove on Friday's episode talked about how you can taste bombing. You can smell it in the air. There's a shift that happens and about minute one and a half or two... On Sunday night, I started tasting the air. It just gets thick in there. You can feel the energy shift. It's sort of like you feel collective, collectively 250 people be on your side and then turn. It's like they all decide. Like, no, you know what? Let's not. We gave them a chance. We don't like this guy anymore. So I'm up there and then I I know it's happening at this point. I get the sinking feeling. I'm like, fuck. All right, this is a bomb. It's it's happening. It's happening. So I get... I get I'm, now I'm flipping the order in my set that I, I had visualized in my head. I'm, I'm putting bits that I think will get a reaction beforehand, but it's just messing up the flow of the whole set, so those aren't getting laughs. I throw my closer, which is usually, for you non-comedians listening, it's usually... Your biggest pop, your biggest laugh, you usually save it towards the end. I throw that right in the middle at like minute three. (laughs) Nothing. It just fizzles and dies. So then I have to mentally try to think of another closer. And I can just see the look on people's faces in the front row, their arms crossed, and they're just looking at me like, "Ugh, What are you doing? What are you doing up there, man? And I'm I'm looking back at them like fuck I'm do I'm trying, I'm doing it. Yeah, but you're not though really. You're not doing it. I'm really trying, please like me. No, we're not gonna like you. We're not gonna like you as a group. Deal with it. You're a grown man. But but I can't. Well, just plow through. And I plowed through. I'm just plowing through. And I kind of felt like I'm feeling right now alone and wet because the beads of sweat start pouring down your back. All of a sudden, your, your tongue feels thick. Your mouth is dry. You've got 250 to 300 strangers that are disapproving of of what you're doing up there. You're putting it all out there. And they're going nope. Nuh-uh. So I was just slotted to do a short set. Like 10 minutes. But I must have done like 12 or 13. Because I was just... I'm gonna get you motherfuckers. I'm gonna... Come, geez, I swear of fuck. Never got them. And once in a while I'd look over to the comics. For some reassurance. For some comfort. And they are just looking at me like... Dude fuck, fuck, I'm like, I've got nothing, towards the end, I'm like, this will do it, I grab an old joke, throw it down, smattering of laughs, and I mean smattering, like 14 people out of the 250 laughed, I heard them, I'm like, that's it, thank you very much, everybody, got a couple, you know, And that was that. I got off stage. And that's the thing is, the longer you do it, it doesn't affect you the way it used to, bombing. if, if You know, if, if I was a couple years in and that would have happened to me, I would have been mortified and would have thought, what am I doing with my life? But the longer you do it, you realize it really doesn't matter. So if you, if you're a newer comic and you're listening to this or you're really any sort of creative person, just know that you're going to fail once in a while. And it really doesn't matter in the big picture. It's not a big deal. Learn from it and move on. It really doesn't matter. You, you, you tend to think, well, yeah, but there's 250, 300 maybe people there that do, don't like me. Who? It really doesn't matter. It's a drop in the bucket. Move on. For me, last night, or by the time you're listening to this, Sunday night, the most embarrassing part was one of the comics there had never seen me before. Actually, two comics on the show had never seen me perform before. So that's like, that's their, their first impression. It's just seeing me up there struggling and sweating. <laughs> scrambling. Saying words that don't really sound like words. Like you hear me on the podcast trip up sometimes. I was doing that times a 100 on stage. It was rough. Got through it. Came home, I left pretty much immediately after, I was, I was so tired. I was going to leave regardless whether it went well or not. And so I watched, uh, oh and this is the best part. You know it's you, but you kind of cling a little bit to the hope that it may be the audience. So you stick around to watch the next guy go up. Hoping he doesn't do that well, and uh, Charlie Damaris went up and just crushed it. Killing. First five minutes, I'm like, "Fuck, all right, it was me, not the crowd." I gotta go. So that was that. Let's get uh, let's get to my gu- actually before I get to my guest, let's do this a quick uh, quick message to my mom, a quick one. Don't worry about it. Don't skip. Just just bear with me. Quick message to my mom.
0: Message to my mom.
1: Message to my mom. Hi mom, this is episode 12 and you haven't listened yet. And I appreciate it. Even though you probably don't know any of this is happening. But I just want to let you know that I love you very much. And if for any reason you've turned on the computer and started listening with the latest episode to see what I was up to. Well, please let me ask you to stop. Please turn it off, Mom. I love you. You won't like what we talk about. It's just not for you. And uh, respect my wishes. I love you so much. You're the best mom ever. But please turn off the podcast.
0: Message to my mom.
1: Message to my mom. All right, that's that. Before I get to my guest, I've received a few emails from people asking about regular segments that we usually have on the show, segments such as Baby Jeffrey, Flash News Flash, Mariah or Yoko, even the email segment. The thing is I'm on the road right now, so we're keeping it we're keeping it light, light on the segments. It's the bare bones West Coast tapes with monologues and interviews, and that's pretty much it for now. I'm limited with the uh, my traveling studio, but towards the end of the week, I'll be back home at Lemon Press Studios, and by Friday's episode, we'll be bringing you more segments and content, but in the meantime, enjoy, and uh, let's get to my guest, I had a chat with Jason Lamb, who's a great guy, he's an awesome comic, very talented writer, he's also morning DJ on The Zone in Victoria, and I always enjoy working with Jason every time, every time I'm in Victoria, he's the MC and he's one of those guys one of those writers that people quote his lines he's just got some classic classic writing skills this guy I like him a lot anyway enjoy our chat we had a great conversation so uh, enjoy my chat with Jason Lamb. you and me below just like the flowers laughing all day long people I need to loose. sing a little song then take a shower Julian Dion Comedy Hour.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, I talk a lot about my uh, my lovely wife on on stage, and uh, uh, someone came up to me uh, after one of my shows a few weeks ago and said, you know, you talk about uh, being married and stuff, but I noticed uh, you're not wearing a wedding ring. And it's true, I'm not wearing a wedding ring. Um, Kind of a long story. it was a bad day for me. Uh, I lost my wedding ring two summers ago on a sailing trip. And uh, that's not the worst part. My wife wasn't on the sailing trip with me. And that's not even the worst part, because actually I lost my ring inside another woman's vagina. So... <laughs> it's just a joke, buddy. about trying to find it this summer uh, no, that's a, that's a joke of course but uh, i actually uh next month will be uh eight years i've been married eight years thank you thank you very much yeah my wife and i uh, eloped actually eight years ago uh, in vancouver we got married uh by a justice of the peace person and then we just uh we just drove down to california for two weeks we just took off we're not going to tell anybody until we get back. Just tick off and have this nice romantic, like, camping holiday for two weeks down in California. It was awesome. And before we left, my wife bought this, uh, this travel guide called The Best Places to Kiss. Oh. <laughs> and I was looking through it, and nowhere did it mention the underside of my balls.
1: <laughs> okay, and that, once again, is my guest who sits in front of me in my hotel room. It's very intimate. It is I love it. Yes. <laughs> I like it. I smell the bed sheets. <laughs> <laughs> we roll. he he rolled around in the bed sheets as soon as he got in. <laughs> it was weird. He took all of, uh, took off all of his clothes. Yeah, well, uh, which you have to do really. If you're going to roll around in sheets, you have to do it naked.
0: I mean, yeah, you don't want to have another fabric between you and the sheets. That's yeah, just uh, pointless. That's,
1: yeah. that's like rolling around in yeah. your clothes basically. Exactly. Uh this guy's been in the business for the better part of 15 years. He's a great comic. Mm. In my opinion, one of the most underappreciated and underrated comics um, in the country, and and we'll get to maybe why that is. Okay, wow. Uh, He's uh, born and raised in Victoria. He's done the Blue Bridge Comedy Festival here on Vancouver Island. He's uh, toured with Yuck Yucks. He's done the Vancouver Comedy Festival. He's opened for the likes of Norm MacDonald and Bob Saget, and uh, he's here for us today, Jason Lambs. In the flesh. How are you doing, brother?
0: I'm doing really well. How you doing, man? Good. Thanks
1: for doing this. Thank you for having me. This is this is really cool. You like the setup? I do. I, like I told you when I got
0: here, I'm really impressed with how professional this is. Like You've got the, the wind socks on the microphones and <laughs> yeah. like the really shiny, swanky-looking uh, mixing board. This is great. I went all out. Yeah. And this
1: this cord is brand new, as the listeners know that I said, uh, <laughs> and it's going back. I'm returning that cord because <laughs> I bought a full mixer I have in the board over there just to get that cord because admi- I forgot it.
0: So you've recorded yourself admitting that you're going to take this back to the store. Yeah. Actually, okay.
1: when I bought it, I'm like... Uh, so uh, what's the return policy on this? As I'm paying, he's like, 30 days, no questions. I'm like, and can I return it at any location, anywhere in Canada? I'm like, do I need a receipt? He's yeah. like, nope. I'm like, okay, all bases covered. Yeah. Can I return this on Tuesday to <laughs> any location <laughs> yeah. in Canada? Not that I'm going to. And I feel right now a little yeah. bit like um, we're in a in a... Like a CIA, not CIA movie, but you know where they set up in a hotel room next to like where something's going down next door, <laughs> like we're listening in. Absolutely, yeah. There's yeah. like a there's like a handoff, a drug exchange happening next door. We're listening. We're where the FBI is the word I was looking for.
0: Right. Yeah. It's a little surveillance on the, the drug That's trans- right. transaction, or like one of those episodes of Cops where it's uh, they're like the johns and the prostitutes, right? Right. right. Listening. In. Right. Okay. <laughs> Time to go in. Go in. <laughs> Let's go, bus
1: Ron. Ron Vaudry
0: next yeah, door. He probably actually does have a
1: prostitute in his room right now, <laughs> so that, that might work out well. <laughs> um, so let's let's get into it. You're a comic of 15 years. Sure. You're a little bit under the radar. You, yeah. Um, you're maybe in a way uh, not like semi-retired from from stand because you used nope. to be full full deep.
0: Yeah, I can explain all that if you want.
1: Yeah, let's yeah. get into it. So you started 15 years ago in. Vancouver?
0: In Vancouver, right. You so you can lean in if you want. To I'm like sorry, to, I might need to get a bit more on there. Um, so, yeah, Victoria is my hometown, born and raised here, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, I moved to Vancouver when I was in my early 20s and then uh, hung out there, met my my wife to be there and all that stuff. And, and eventually uh, decided to start comedy when I, I think I was like 27 when I first stepped on stage. So, kind of a late start. Mm-hmm. Um, was really serious about it for the first uh, few years I mean I was waiting tables as a day job and but I was uh, touring with the Yuck Yucks every chance I got and every you know going out three or four nights a week getting stage time going crazy doing well you know um, and everything was going great and I kept working in different Joe jobs and like mostly restaurant work and stuff like that and I kind of just uh, after about five years, Maybe five or six years, I was like, you know, what What if I'm not a famous stand-up com- comic? Like, what if this doesn't work out? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, 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 it was almost depressing to think that way, but I was like, maybe I need to think about what to do here if I don't become... Because I know I don't want to wait tables anymore. It's the fucking worst thing in the world, right? I it is. It. Yeah. I hated it. I really, I absolutely... I was pretty good at it, actually, but I really, really hated it. Like, I hated the customers. I hated my boss. I, Everything. I hated the smell of food on my clothes at the end of the day. Um... But anyway, so I'm like, oh, I need a backup plan. So I was trying to figure out what do I like to do, and uh, I like talking, and I like being funny, and I like uh, being, uh, you know, I like listening to the radio and music and stuff. So, uh, and I like news. I was always kind of into news. I don't know, it's kind of mm-hmm. nerdy and stupid, but uh, so I actually decided to go back to school, and I went to BCIT, and I went for two years, and got my journalism diploma, and that was that. Then I kind of switched careers, if you will, into into radio. Still and
1: keeping a foot in the stand-up game.
0: Still keeping a foot in the stand-up game. While I was in school, I
1: did very little or
0: almost no stand-up for about two years. So, mm-hmm. so there was a real big break there where I almost had to relearn stuff afterwards. But uh, and then I got my first uh, radio job, news job in Kelowna uh, and moved there with my wife and, um, and did that. And then actually, I, that's actually where I really started to do stand-up again. I was... Uh, uh, do you know Garrett Clark? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. so I, I was introduced to Garrett Clark and Rob Balzden, these two guys in Kelowna, yep. and basically the three of us kind of created a comedy scene in Kelowna, and it was really kind of neat. Um, yeah, so they're, they're, that's kind of the story. So y- yeah, you're right. I am semi-retired in the in the sense of like, I uh, I certainly don't. Think and you know think about stand up full time or do it all- full time. I've got a I've got a radio gig here, mm-hmm. which I can get into if you want to talk about that too. I'm really blabby now, but
1: there you go. that's the point. Yeah, that's this the point. is all about you. I guess it's about me. So. Yeah,
0: um, I'll keep going. You want me to keep going? Keep going. Okay. I don't know how funny, this isn't very funny though. That's Don't worry thing. about being okay. funny. If, okay, <laughs> Humor
1: will come from, okay. th- this is my philosophy with the podcast. All right. We get real yeah. and f- humor will come from that because well, we're, you know, we're comics, we're yeah. whatever. Sure. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, that's cool too. Fair as long enough. as we're we're real and authentic because you, yeah. do, you do podcasts sometimes where, you know, the host of the podcast is a comic, you're a comic, mm-hmm. and you can tell off the top that the the other person's trying to be funny, so you right. have to match that. And I don't, I cannot, st- there's nothing harder to listen to than two people trying to be funny. I'm trying to be funny.
0: I agree with that. So thank you. Good. And, okay.
1: And then you can't, you you try to ask a real question and they answer back with like something witty or funny. It's like, yeah, well, we try
0: to do their bits on
1: you. Right. Yeah. So don't even worry about that. I'm, okay. And I do a monologue off the top that's always hilarious. Right. So that covers the comedy.
0: Are, <laughs> the listeners are still laughing from that. Yeah. Now. So they right. get
1: their comedy okay. f- fix off the top. <laughs> I got you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: um, so yeah, I'm in Kelowna, and I'm being a news guy on the radio, and I'm doing you know, I'm re uh, reinvigorating my comedy scene career, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that, or whatever. Um, but doing like serious news on the radio, and it was all right. Um, but uh, really, re- fucking hated Kelowna. Really not a fan no. of Kelowna. Full of uh, just white people, and uh, it's boring, and it's gray, and it's slushy and gross. And uh, so I'm like, we want to, we want to get out of here.
1: It's funny you say. Yeah. You hated Kelowna because most people that just go through Kelowna or yeah. visit are like, "This is amazing here." Oh yeah, because it's kind of it's picturesque. Oh. The, the scenery and stuff is amazing. It's
0: gorgeous, but try living there; if it's the worst. Yeah. And there's a
1: there's a big um, sort of drug scene there. I, 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 yeah. I find like every small town BC there's like a heavy drug influence. That sort of
0: I'll put it this way: I lived uh, my wife and I lived in a little. We rented a little house uh, right near downtown Kelowna. Um, the crack scene like the crack addicts in Kelowna are fucking unbelievable unbelievable mm-hmm. our house got broken into all my wife's camera equipment got stolen like thousands of dollars no for shit. stuff my video camera a bunch of shit my car in, in we lived in Kelowna for a total of two years that's all uh during that time the house got broken into my my car got broken into twice got sideswiped once I had a rock th- thrown through the window for some reason another time um we witnessed a, a horrible car accident where uh, two people were like in critical condition in the hospital, that because they were drunk driving down the street. It's, like it's there's idiots in that fucking town, like just idiot,
1: drunken, drug addict, fucking losers. There go, there goes the <laughs> listenership in Kelowna. <laughs>
0: yeah. you, and uh, let me just quickly <laughs> back up for a minute because the truth is, we did make some friends too. There were mm-hmm. nice people in Kelowna, yeah. and it is beautiful in the summertime. But it was just like it. it, it there's this underlying weird thing going on where like well the hell's angels have a giant clubhouse there and stuff like that right and so there's this weird like there's this weird criminal um vibe going on there all the time and here's here's an example here's one thing i saw one time in kelowna where i was like uh what was that noise oh maybe? shit oh.
1: Let, me, let me mute that sorry that okay. was unprofessional no i love it <laughs> okay <laughs> that's it's, an email i get emails i'm very, oh, very popular a very
0: popular guy I've been here for an hour. That was one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, this was something that kind of stood out for me in Kelowna of like how kind of uh, backwards and um, and and stuff it is, especially coming from Victoria and then Vancouver. I saw a, uh, like a flyer one time, and it was uh, it was a flyer for the Kelowna Gay and Lesbian Youth Cooperative or something like that. It, what, I don't remember what the title of it was, but it was the Gay and youth, Gay and Lesbian uh, Group for Kelowna, and it was like, come and join us. At this month's meeting for location call, they wouldn't even put the location on the flyer right. of where they were going to have this meeting out of fear, so some fucking redneck would come by and probably, right, right, you know, pound some heads or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I was like, wow, and this is like, this is in this day and age. Uh, so there you go. That was a real off-topic thing, but anyway. But but
1: yeah. it's true. I, I have a si- my sister has a second home, like a condo in Penticton. And okay. Same thing. There's just this undertone of meth yes yeah <laughs> and hardcore druggies that will fuck your shit up totally yeah um
0: so yeah so that, that that goes nicely into the next part which is uh my wife got pregnant and uh we're like oh we got a baby coming this is great let's get the fuck out of Kelowna we do not want to raise our child here so mm-hmm. uh that's when I just started firing off resumes at different radio stations and stuff back in Vancouver and back here in Victoria because this is my hometown and uh, the first place that offered me uh, like an interview and a job was uh, the queue here in Victoria and I uh, started there and then ended up at the zone which is another station like across the hallway from the queue and now I'm on the morning show and I do news but I'm also the wacky hilarious very hilarious um, <laughs> sidekick guy to, to Dylan who's the main host so like, right. like now I'm kind of kind of doing comedy for a living now in a sense do you know what I mean I'm yeah sorry, uh, it's not yeah. stand up oh no it's a derivative right. for sure yeah. Of, of
1: yeah of comedy yeah.
0: and then um, you're probably am, am, am I like talking too much and you know, you want to ask questions and I'm not letting. I'll you ask cut questions? in if I need okay. to ask a
1: question. Don't worry about it.
0: <laughs> so this is we're t- so now we're we're, uh, we're around two thousand eight two thousand nine around there and um and so once we got settled here in Victoria I'm like okay well now I need to find out where I can get on stage and do some comedy in Victoria and that's when and I and had
1: you been away from stand up at that point or are you still not really doing I
0: mean I had done it been doing it in Kelowna so mm-hmm. it was no I had been pretty much still doing it um. And then I uh, I just came and visited the guys uh, Derek and Aaron who run uh, Hecklers, mm-hmm. and um, asked them if they wanted uh, somebody to MC their shows because I would heard they didn't really have an MC at that point. They had like a, you know just the opener headliner deal, and they said we'll I'll give you a try or whatever. And, and I've been headlining there for almost six years now. That's great. Yeah, isn't that crazy?
1: And you do every every Friday, right?
0: Every Friday for a long time I did both Friday and Saturday, but mm-hmm. then it was like nah, I need my weekend. Oh well, yeah. So that's like that's kind of my deal. Like like you said, semi retired. I do stand up. we do it every week. But it's emceeing.
1: But then, but this mm. is the thing with your emceeing. You're so fucking good. You're such a good joke writer. Oh, Pe- people quote your jokes still. Um, like I told you, we quote your non alcoholic beer right. joke all the time. Yeah, to this day. It, something along the lines of uh, an alcohol, a non-alcoholic beer is a lot of is a lot like a vibrator without batteries. That's right. Fills you up without the buzz. That's that's the joke. How's <laughs> that? That's a that's good, a good one, right? It's yeah. a good one.
0: I've had that joke for a long time.
1: And there's uh, another classic Lamb one, which is great, and I've heard done by other people since then, Oh. which w- is uh, actually I know a guy in New Brunswick that does it, but I think it's just parallel thought. I don't mm. I I don't have the heart this to is tell a him. Prince Harry joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell us that one a little bit.
0: Uh, Well, that joke is just, um, you know, Prince Harry uh, over there in England there is uh, admitted to smoking pot, which is amazing that a royal is smoking pot, you know, but imagine how weird it is for him buying a bag of drugs and then paying for it with a bunch of little pictures of your grandma. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the comic in New Brunswick does the joke. It's like... Because uh, I th- I think he was caught at a strip club or something like that. Right, and and that's sort of the same idea. Oh, stuffing like, the money in the thing. That's, yeah, that's very funny. Pictures know you know. of your your what grandmother. Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but you're such a good writer, and you're so good at it for mm. the little amount you, that you do. Because, as we know, key in comedy is to just inundate yourself with it. And yeah. is that the right word? Inundate yourself. Well, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, And uh, I'm French. I get confused. No. And for some reason, on this podcast, I mm. don't know words. Right. <laughs> I'm just. Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> I fuck shit up all the time. Then, okay. No, you're doing great. <laughs> and uh, so, email him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> email pod at jdcomedyhour dot com. <laughs> uh, subject line: Help with words. Help with words. Um, and yeah, you're such a good writer, and because you you do pretty new stuff week after week here mm-hmm. at Hecklers, because you have to. Yeah. And every time I see you. I love it. Oh, last thank you, night man. you had a great joke about um <laughs> this was one of my favorites you did last night. It was about there's a woman at your park or something or in your neighborhood that has a little girl named Isis.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a girl in my in my son's class. In yeah. your son's class yeah.
1: and her name is Isis. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like cuz it's 6 years ago it was like that the most trendy name you could think of. Right. Isis and then your punchline I'm butchering it, but your punchline is like
0: I said, uh, I just wrote that joke like a couple of days ago. Actually, it's fucking what, what, awesome. Oh, thanks. It was like, uh, and it's it's embellished because there is not actually an ISIS in my son's class, but she's there is an ISIS in his school. So anyway, right. and it's, she's just a little girl, and, and and I live in such a hipster neighborhood that. Uh, it's hilarious to me that, uh, that there's this, I mean, that's a poor girl I feel horrible for, him, but her, <laughs> she's a six-year-old girl named Isis. And you know that six years ago, you know, it was like the greatest perfect hipster name, you know, right. oh, the God, uh, Egyptian goddess name, oh, we'll call her Isis and aren't we clever, you know, it's like, but now it's like horrible. It's like, hey, Isis, come meet the twins, Ebola and Kony uh, 2012. Yeah,
1: when you said Kony tw- <laughs> 2012, oh my God, that was so good. Thanks. Yeah, thank um, you. Okay, so, so let's go. So again, a- and you have this writing style where people quote you all the time and you probably don't even know this. I right? don't even really.
0: Well, I hear that sometimes like people tell me, oh, I love that joke of yours, like, like comics that come through town. But yeah, but thank you. That's weird. Like, because I mean, you yeah. have
1: line, you have material floating around out there. Mm-hmm. People quoting Jason Lamb jokes, and I, I've always uh, respected you since the first mm-hmm. time I met you, like five years ago, whatever. Wow, thanks, man. Um, so let's go back. So when you started Vancouver, what was the scene like uh, 15 years ago? Because you were around during like the Urban Well heyday sure. and all that stuff. So let's yep. let's get into that a little bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the Urban Well was uh, about two or three years young when I started. So. Uh, it was going full steam, kind of thing. Brent Butt was there every Tuesday, and
1: yeah, we explained and, it a little yeah. bit on uh, Friday's episode with uh, Sean Proudlove because he took it over from ben Brent uh, eventually. That, that's right, he did. Yeah, and uh, so, but for those who didn't listen on Friday, it was uh, an open mic night. Well, booked room, really. It was booked. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. satellite room, mm-hmm. which is a non-comedy club room, mm-hmm. essentially in a restaurant. That's right. And it's, to my knowledge, the only one that's in this country that's ever supported two shows in one night. I mean, Incredible. that's yeah, it's crazy.
0: True. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was two shows every Tuesday night. The so er- did they
1: have the two shows when you were, when you started going there? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh um. yeah.
0: Um, and the early show would, would tend to be more of the amateurs and, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, like, you know, once in a while they have even have people going on for the very first time. Not, didn't happen a lot, but, uh, but the amateurs and the real newbies would go on, on the early show. Um, this is a general kind of rule. And then the, the late show was more reserved for, for more of the vet guys. Like the guys are really more professional and stuff like that. Cause the late show was more well attended and all that kind of stuff. And they'd have a different headliner each show, um, which is also interesting. They didn't have the same headliner headline each show. And uh, I mean, it was awesome. It like, it really truly was. And I know that a lot of comics and stuff who are just starting out in the last few years, they hear these like legendary stories about their well and how great it was. And, and I I hate to be that guy because it's like you know was it really that awesome? Well, actually, mm. kind of was. Like it was it, it felt at the time like something kind of special. It really mm-hmm. did, um, you know. And and so for me, when I started out, uh, I'd been doing it pro- for probably about six months or so before I got my first spot at the Urban Well. I didn't want to do the Urban Well too early. I was like, I want because I knew that. People like Brent Button, whoever else happened to be around, might be watching. There, it. Yeah, like, of course. Um, and that's where I met uh, people like Peter Kalamis and uh, Irwin Barker, um, Daryl Lennox, and uh, who else? Uh, all those guys, you know, Carter Horty, all these crazy mm-hmm. fucking people, Watermelon and all that crew. And I mean, it was it was pretty awesome. And then and then as time went on, then all these. Other crazy things happened, like all the celebrities that would come through town, and it became quite a deal. You know?
1: mm-hmm. yeah. And there was like a hierarchy, like you said, like the the noobs would be mm-hmm. on the first show, yeah. and it was a big deal to get onto the late show, right?
0: It pretty it was absolutely it was it was like a it was a, a what's the word um, like a rite of passage? Thank or... you, rite of passage. It was definitely a, a, a step when mm-hmm. you are like, oh, now I'm doing, now I get to do spots of the late show, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get to headline the early show, and that was the, the next big step, right? And then. Yeah, it was pretty awesome.
1: Let's talk about the celebrities you mentioned that would come through both. Um, like Proudlove touched on this a little bit, mm-hmm. both performing and even watching in the sure. audience, right? Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned like of the likes of like Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Were you there for any of those nights? Yes, or? I was.
0: I was there uh, for two of the times that Robin Williams showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time, um, I think I got there just as it was kind of happening. He was just had just gotten in the door, and the second time um, was. Uh, the, the rumor had circulated for a few days that he was going to be coming by because he was in town. And I had just bought a brand new video camera, actually. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and... Uh, my mother-in-law and uh and her friend were in town so i had my wife and my man so i'm like well maybe we can head down there and see if like we got down there the place was packed there was no i could not get my mother-in-law or my wife or anybody into the urban well i was on the show i was booked on the show right um so i knew i was in um but uh, i was standing there by the outside patio with my mother-in-law and my wife and uh and all of a sudden, my mother-in-law, is, and she's a huge like Mrs. Doubtfire fan. She's an old Irish mm-hmm. woman. She's kind of like Mrs. Doubtfire herself. You know what I mean? And she's like, "Oh!" All of a sudden, I hear this Jason, 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 and I look over, and Robin Williams is riding up on his bicycle, <laughs> and head to toe in spandex, and uh, and he starts imitating her. He starts going Jason, 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 mm-hmm. this Irish accent, and uh, it was awesome. And he like got off his bike, and he gave my mother-in-law a big hug and all that stuff, and and uh, and then uh, went inside and. Destroyed the place. It was really cool.
1: He, I mean, people talk about his generosity with his time and uh, always talked to fans and hugged your mother-in-law, like yeah, you said. yeah. And uh, is that actually? I think this just came to me. You posted something on Facebook. You recorded yeah. holding the camera above your head. Well, right? this, that,
0: this is the thing. So like, I had just bought this video camera. brought it with me that night, and um, I can't remember if they had said please don't videotape or whatever. I mean, this is before people. Everybody had a cell phone, right? Right. So, so uh people or you know they were the flippy kind they didn't had certainly didn't have video cameras on them anyway so I can't remember if they said don't videotape or if I just assumed it was a bad idea um, but I stood at the very back of the room and held my video camera up above my head and I caught his almost this whole set mm-hmm. and I've posted it on uh, on YouTube and shit cuz uh, I thought it was pretty special I didn't post I've, I forgot about it completely until after he died right and then uh, and then I was like I wonder if I still have that so I, I went through my closet and I, I have this shoebox full of old mini DV tapes. Um, I don't have my camera anymore because it got stolen in Kelowna, by the way. But <laughs> uh, but I have the tapes still. That, that's a real callback. That's, that's a callback. Yeah. That's right there. That cuts deep. That's a callback
1: that cuts deep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and I found the fucking thing with the Williams set. So I took it to some uh, crazy little place that transfers stuff for 20 bucks, and they did it. So,
1: yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if someone wants to find that on YouTube... Actually, I'll post it on uh, my Facebook uh, page. Go to facebook.com slash JD Comedy Hour. I'll put that link up. Sure. There for, uh, it was,
0: yeah, it was posted through, actually, through the uh, the radio station that I work at. Okay, cool. Because uh, Bud, who's our video guy at the radio station, he edited it down for me and put titles on it and stuff. So it's, uh, if you look up... I think you just type in Rob Williams, Jason Lamb on mm-hmm. YouTube or just do what you just said on your thing. So, yeah.
1: All right. Cool. And um, so here's here's the thing I want to ask is like... Mm-hmm. When you get into comedy, you're so... You eat, breathe, and sleep it. And you Mm -hmm. have to, essentially, to get to another level. Yeah. And it's all-consuming, and it's your life, and you put everything you have into it. So, when you make the transition, or the decision, at least in your mind, that Mm -hmm. you're going to branch out and, quote, switch careers, like you said... Right all the while keeping a foot in the comedy game, does that fuck with you in any way? Like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, like this... I don't know if... It, like, comedy for you, what, what what relationship did you have? Was it like a dream to... Were you, like, pursuing a real f- passion and dream? Part? Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, that's a very good question, by the way. Thank you. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I was a fan of comedy all my life. And mm-hmm. I was actually... A weird kid who was obsessed with things, like, and and uh, one of the first things I was ever, like, obsessed with was Steve Martin. Like, uh, mm-hmm. when I got introduced to Steve Martin, I was maybe eight or nine years old. I listened to his records over and over and over again, and I would, like, make collages of, of uh, like, newspaper clipping, clippings and TV Guide articles about him and stuff. And I just became this huge fan of comedy, and I just, and uh, then from Steve Martin, I went to Monty Python, and then just everything else I could consume. I mean, I just got into everything. And I always knew I wanted to be part of it somehow or do something. And never being a, like a specifically a stand-up com- comedian was never exactly like that. You know, it wasn't right. a, a focal. Uh, that's exactly what I wanted to do. Um, but I was always a class clown in school. I really was. I was always goofy and and uh, and I don't really know why it took me so long to actually step on stage and try doing stand-up. I think mainly because I was more interested in drinking and doing drugs when I was mm-hmm. in my early twenties. Truthfully, like that just was more just a party idiot right and mm-hmm. I didn't really care about anything um but once I got into it and actually st- like started getting feedback from people who I knew I respected and and and, uh, and and you know who were really good at it and really professional and telling me that I was funny and that I was a good joke writer I was like I can do this man this is really cool and it's, it was such an awesome feeling so to answer your question then like so when it, after a number of years doing that and then making the conscious decision to like, uh, and it wasn't switching careers because comedy wasn't never really a true career for me. It was, you, right. know, you know what I mean? I always had to pay my bills by other means. Do you know what I mean? Um, but to kind of almost admit that uh, I have to give up the dream to a certain extent and then and do something else was a little bit de- depressing and still mm-hmm. is to this day. Like I still go, what if, what if I had just given it all my, you know, everything I had right. and just di- dove in 100% and comedy life? Do you know what I mean? Um, and th- this is like going to be an Oprah moment, but, but, but in all honesty, when I was doing like the road trips with the yuck and stuff like that, I learned that I can't live that lifestyle, mm-hmm. um, in a, in a healthy way. I just, I, I drink way too much. I do too many drugs. Mm-hmm. I, 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 don't eat well. I, I, I'll probably be dead. you know what I mean? Before, before I know it. So I kind of, part of it was, a, it was a self-realization that, uh, that I don't think I can handle it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. And it's weird. Like, and now that I'm doing the the radio, like, I mean, this is Victoria, so we're talking about a, a medium sized town. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the radio station I work at is very popular, um, and I'm I'm kind of like a little bit of a celebrity here in town. Mm-hmm. Like, people go, "Oh, you're Jason Lamb from the from the zone." I'm like, "Yes, I am." And so I have this taste of like fame in a way, like on a very small scale. don't, yeah, but don't get totally. me wrong. I'm not trying like this. Though, sound like an egotistical thing, but but. And and it's and I love it. It's great. But I'm also like, this is actually kind of comfortable for me. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Of course. I, I don't. I don't think I necessarily need more than this. Like, would I? You know, do I want to be rich? Yes, that would be great. But uh, you know, the the big brass ring, you know, being the next Louis CK or or, or whatever. Um, I'm I'm now only in just only recently in the last little like maybe a year or so. I'm kind of like I'm okay with not not pursuing that. You know what I mean? I think where I am here is fine. If it get bigger than this great mm-hmm. but if i don't i'm okay with that
1: right uh, well I, I guess then that took you a while because if you, if you say you just came to terms with that last year or two yeah I and mean, so you you sort of struggle with that a little bit on the inside like thinking what if all the time for right? a long long time yeah and it,
0: still even have still have pangs of it like i still have wonder like you know but now i've got a kid right i got a six-year-old boy right. i've got i i've got a wife and i'm like you know i can't go on the road with yuck yucks and and, and spend two months right. in hotels and playing clubs and stuff like that and and I can't uh, spend every waking moment writing and every waking moment, you know, polishing mm-hmm. everything. And um, and
1: and uh, you know, and that's all right. Yeah,
0: that's okay. <laughs> does, that, does that answer the question? A hundred percent. because
1: I I think that's what because a lot of people think of of switching or changing careers because it's mm-hmm. so fucking hard to to because of the road life, like you said, and and the substance abuse. And but yeah. that's what some like will keep some people in is it just can't even like process the thought of, of quitting and watching from the outside sort of thing, even though you still have a foot in it and, mm-hmm. and you're so fucking good at it. Well, thank you. And um, and it's weird, you know, and almost in a lot of ways, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, go ahead.
0: When you say things like you're such a great writer and you're so good at it, it's like, it almost it's I really appreciate it, but it almost bugs me when you say that because I'm like,
1: oh, fuck, maybe I should be. Oh, do, yeah. Do, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. What, what am I doing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, like... I'm, you know, and when you say things like "oh, there's people, other comics in the country that quote you and all that," like that makes me so happy. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? That that
1: that alone is
0: is is good.
1: Yeah. Kudos. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk. You touched a little bit about on um, substance abuse, drugs, alcohol. Sure. Was that your thing for a part of your life? Well,
0: yeah, kind of. I mean, uh, you know, I was never, um, you know, Robert Downey Jr. level or Mm -hmm. anything like that. But uh, you know, I'm a guy that. uh, you know i liked i like my cold beer and uh and if if i'm having two or three or four then i'm probably having 14 mm-hmm. Do you know what i mean yeah and uh and i know that about myself now and i i have it fairly under control but uh drugs were never really an issue as far as like uh, hard stuff i was never into like coke or anything like that but uh smoked a fair bit of weed in my life and back when i was like really young like like late teens early 20s i was Mr. Mushroom Man, like, you know, right. all, all, <laughs> and acid and shit like that. But I mean, that was, I don't regret that
1: though. And this is all pre-comedy. That was pre-comedy. And then yeah. when you are on the road with booze. L- booze just booze, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the weed or whatever was Booze around. and weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's because it's so easy to, it's to, I mean, in this industry, it's filled with like, basically alcoholics because it's, It's true. It, it's such an easy way to support that. Mm-hmm. Lifestyle Lifestyle I mean well, you just go you're around You're often paid With free booze yeah. and, and you know You're on the road You finish your show The best thing to do Would be to go to your hotel And keep writing And working Yeah while you're on While, while you're buzzing From a good show You're buzzing go, yeah. And it's but all no. fresh In your mind yeah. But instead What's easier mm-hmm. Than all that Is just to hang out And get yeah. fucked up
0: Yeah and people Are coming up to you After the show Going oh you're really funny You really enjoyed it Hey can I buy you a beer Yeah sure And you know You You, you, you Thrive off of that, right? Yeah. The attention. And then, and that comes with the, with the partying and the drinking and all that stuff. And it's, uh, it's a slippery slope, man. It really is, you know. And i I mean, I'm 43 years old now, for God's mm-hmm. sakes. I, I can't live like that anymore. Right. You know. But, uh, you know, I don't know what to say. Yeah. I mean, but I wasn't a guy that drank every night or anything like that. It was just like, especially on those road trips, it was like, those would take a big chunk out of me. Like, mm-hmm. fuck, man. Cause I'm away from my family, right? Mm-hmm. I'm away from my wife. And, and, uh, not that it was like, being naughty or anything, but there's just nothing else to do. You're lonely. You're bored. You're you You know what I mean? One hundred percent. Money in your pocket because you just because you just got your paycheck for the last week of uh, the club mm-hmm. that you did, and yeah.
1: The um, worst is when they deduct your tab at the end of the week. <laughs> yeah. They're like, don't worry about paying tonight. Your right. Thursday, you'll have two, three beers. And they're like, don't worry about paying, just settle up on Saturday. And then most of your paycheck goes yeah. to that. You're yeah. like, they oh, hand you $15. What am I end. doing yeah. with my life? Yeah,
0: that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's one thing, like having been, having quit everything for 10 months. It's mm. amazing financially, the the mm. rewards. I mean, the rewards, there's so many of them, but financially speaking, mm. holy shit. You don't realize how much money you spend on mm-hmm. getting wasted. Yeah. when And then you stop, you're like, it's it's crazy.
0: I I find it. Re- I can almost. It's really hard for me even now to do uh, a comedy sh- set of any 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 length or or importance without having at least one beer before I go on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, I never more than two. But but uh, but I almost like if I don't if I'm in a like a situation and it happens right where you're like there isn't. A beer to be had, you know, you're yeah. in like a high school r- gymnasium or something yeah, for some yeah. reason. Um, I get legitimately freaked out. I'm like, I'm, I need a beer. I need a beer before <laughs> I can go on. And then I've, I've, I've done that to myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah.
1: should always carry, you know, those backpacks for the bikers where there's like a straw, a tube coming from the back. Just I love fill it. that with beer. Yes. No one would be none the wiser. Right. Because, um, yeah. Because for me, that's it. Started like that. It started. I had to be completely sober like no beer mm-hmm. no nothing i did like my first like 15 sets completely dry yeah and then you have one or two beer like oh yeah. all right this is good this is loose yeah, yeah. You're, you're good then you can't imagine doing it ever again without that's exactly a, a, it. a beer you sort of like yeah. shit like bill hicks said he he became a great comic when he started drinking because mm-hmm. he didn't drink for a while and then he started because he started at 16 yeah and then when he just started getting blackout drunk, basically. that That's when he was great, because he just didn't give a fuck. Right. And I've had those moments on stage where you're like, yeah. really drunk, and yeah. you're like, you don't give a shit. Yeah. And it is true. That you, you, it's pretty awesome. You have yeah, some you good moments in yeah, there. Yeah, but you can't keep that
0: up every time. Right, exactly. I'll tell you one thing I cannot do ever is smoke weed before I go on stage. Right. I just will, It's. I I know this, I've tried it, and it's just the worst, paranoid Sweat dripping, nervous, awful shit. It your pants be feeling. Awful. Oh, yeah. Uh, you forget what you're saying, and you're, everyone's staring at you, and you're like, "Oh my god." And time um, slows down. Oh, like the, yeah. the
1: moments between the words are so long. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you yeah. feel like everyone's staring at you because they are. Because they are. Because you're supposed to be <laughs> yeah. there for that. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. No. Never again.
1: So now you're at the zone. Yeah. And uh, you talked about how Steve Martin was a huge influence on you, right? Growing up, you got to meet him. I did. You got to meet John Cleese. I did. They say never meet your idols. Which those guys were both your idols, hugely. And, yeah. And you sort of had different experiences with each. Just let's go over that in a little bit. Absolutely.
0: Well, the, the don't the never experience never um, meet your idols thing. Um, I don't think I agree with that. I, I think that uh, that's just because of you know there's a chance that your idol might disappoint you, I guess mm-hmm. is why they say that, right, that, 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 uh, that saying. But for me, it's worked out well. Anyway, uh, I'll start with the John Cleese thing, because that happened first. Um, John Cleese came to Victoria last year, back in October of 2013, and uh, when that got announced back in, like, the the summertime, I was like, okay, John Cleese is coming here, I need to meet John Cleese. I need to meet him, I want to interview him, I, wanna, I don't want to just meet him backstage, like, you know... With a autograph book in my hand, kind of thing. I want to like, I want to meet this man right. and actually talk to him. So how is this going to fucking happen? How, I, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? So I uh, I sort of powwowed with Bud, who's our genius videographer web guy at uh, the Zone, and I said I want to make a video that would be like short and sweet, but really good, and then try to get it to John Clay's to see, and it'll be like a plea, v- uh, me pleading for him to come for an interview. So we did this thing, and I wrote it. And it was basically just me and my wife and kid make a little cameo in it, and Dylan that I work with is in it as well. And uh, we made this thing, and okay, okay, and it was great. And we got all the, we put it on the radio, and got everybody to like it on the Facebook and the, and the YouTube and all that shit. And it was going really great. And I'm like, oh well, now we got to get it to John Cleese. How so is this going to happen? So I. I found the lady who was like the Canadian representative of his tour, blah blah, blah and she's like, "Well, I'll get it to his people, um, and hopefully he'll get to see it." But uh, I'll tell you right now, he's not doing interviews for this at all, like zero interviews, because all of his shows are sold out. And all he sold out eight shows here in Victoria, which is insane. Eight
1: just here in Victoria. Just in Victoria, sold Wh- out. What eight kind of venue?
0: At the McPherson Playhouse, a, a, a thousand-person venue. Holy shit! Yeah, and insane, right? That's crazy. And he sold and he sold out like you know five shows in Vancouver, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and but Victoria was the biggest. Anyway.
1: Why do you think that is? Because it's such a, like you said before, it's a medium-sized town. It's like... It's also because Victoria is, um, you know, is old Brit- old Britain here, right? right? Like
0: And it truly is. There's still lots of old people from the old country in Britain mm-hmm. and stuff. And, you know, and so something like Monty Python, John Cleese, huge, hugely popular here. Um... So I, I was like a bit disappointed, but I was told like you're not going to get an interview, but maybe you know since this video and she this lady liked the video, she's like since it's so so good, he might agree to a you know a meet and greet or something with you. I'm like that would be great, you know you know whatever that'd be great if I can shake the man's hand, fine. Mm-hmm. Didn't hear anything else about it. Everything you know everything was uh, kind of happening and 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 uh, and and or not happening, and I was kind of assuming that it wasn't going to happen. And I was actually driving. John Cleese came to town on October the 10th or whatever it was last year on a Thursday and uh, to start his run of shows. And on Friday night, I was driving to Heckler's, and my cell phone rang, and I pulled over and answered it because it was a weird uh, area code that I didn't recognize. And it was this guy named Simon. He's like, hi, Jason, this is Simon. I'm John Cleese's road manager, tour manager. I'm like, okay. He's like, "Uh, listen, uh, he just watched your video in his dressing room. I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, and he really, really liked it. And uh, he wants to come in for the interview next week.
1: That's great.
0: I'm like, you're kidding me. He's like, nope. Uh, so, uh, you know, here's, you got my number now, and uh, I'll be in touch this weekend. And we'll figure out the time. So, we arranged it for the Tuesday or whatever. He, and John Cleese came in, and, uh, like, you know, by himself um, uh, and, uh, and sat with me and Dylan at the zone for a little over an hour. Amazing and by he,
1: himself, so no no entourage. Well, he no he bike. came
0: with the, the Simon guy drove him there, right, and was there, but uh, no entourage, no posse, right. You know, very very cool guy, very just like laid back dude, and uh, we had the best interview. It was awesome, and he was like the nicest man. And talked about everything, talked about div- his divorce with his wife, and talked about Monty Python and Faulty Towers and his tour, and and we ended up getting the only tour that he or the only uh, interview that he did in all of Canada.
1: Wow, yeah. that's amazing! Yeah, kudos to your experts. Yeah. And uh, can anyone listen to that somehow? Yes. Is that available anywhere? Yes,
0: it is. And um, let me think of how you can do that. Uh, you need to go to uh, thezone.fm/cleese. Okay,
1: thezone.fm/cleese. Yeah,
0: I think that should hopefully still work. And uh, it,
1: why don't I? Th- I'll throw up that link on right. my Facebook. page page too, facebook.com yeah. slash hour, you'll be able to find that uh, Robin Williams uh, clip, okay, and well. I'll, I'll throw the link up too, so they can just go directly from there.
0: Awesome, and I think if you uh, if it is still up there, like it should be, um, you'll be able to watch the video that we made that convinced him, right. and then listen to the interview. We didn't videotape the interview, the one rule he had is he didn't want to be videotaped, because mm-hmm. um, he, he didn't think he looked very good in the morning, right. and he allowed us to take uh, two pictures, one was of me and him, and one was of me and Dylan and him, and that was awesome, so... Um, but it's a great interview, if I must say myself. Yeah, and off
1: off mic was yeah. he super nice, like just he, super nice. Yeah,
0: yeah, he really was. He was just really really nice. We had all, everybody uh, at the station had brought like all this shit in to get signed and stuff, and it was all in a pile in the in the corner, and I was like, you know, I'm not gonna ask him unless it seems okay, and it seemed like he was he was fine. So I'm like. Listen, there's a few things there for you to sign. That I don't know if you want. He's like, nah, bring it over. And yeah, no, he was really nice. Cool. And if you see the picture of me, I can show it to you. Picture of me and him. I'm like nuzzling into his into his <laughs> armpit. It's like, oh yeah, it's like my father figure. But anyway, so that was a big deal for you. And- it was huge, man. Yeah. It was huge, and it was so surreal while it was happening. Like I'm asking him questions, and uh, you know, I wasn't even really listening to his answers. And I had to re-listen to the interview afterwards, you know, afterwards because. I'm ask him something and he's talking to me and looking at me I'm like that's fucking John Cleese sitting there talking to me right now this is insane yeah anyway uh, yeah it was uh, totally like you want I mean do you want to talk about dreams coming true that was like huge for me that's amazing yeah
1: cool yeah let's talk about the Steve Martin one now so now the Steve Martin one so now you see here Steve Martin's coming to town do you have the same approach? You're like, I'm gonna make like a, shoot yeah. another video and get him here. That's and sort of do the same. Kind of how thing. it
0: happened, yeah. So, uh, and and the, the also this is like it's mind blowing that the chances of for me for the chances of John Cleese and Steve Martin both coming to my hometown within six months of each other, the the two people that I hi- I'll hold the highest in regard, right? Right. It's, it's, what's I have to give it a shot, right? So I hear Steve Martin's coming down. He's not doing a comedy show because he doesn't really do that anymore. He's doing his banjo thing, right? Mm-hmm. So he's got his him and his Steep Canyon Rangers banjo group, and Edie Burkell, and they're going to do a show. Okay, fuck, I gotta, I gotta, we gotta meet. I gotta meet Steve Martin now. Well, let's do the video thing again, right? Wh- why not? We'll give this another try. So we'd made another video, but this time the video was like a little bit on the epic side, I must say. It's it's like, it's ridiculous. It's me in a white suit, and I'm walking around talking to the camera, and I've got Dylan there talking to me, and it's like much more production involved. There's a cast of people, and there's props, and there's special effects and stuff, but it's also pretty good, I must say. So we get that video done, and then we just did the same thing. I just started trying to shop it around, uh, you know, different people that might know Steve Martin or whatever, you know. I actually sent it to... Uh, a guy from the nitty gritty dirt band who I knew was friends with Steve. And he right. got back to me. He was like, Oh, I just forwarded it to him. And hopefully oh, good, good luck to you, Jason, you know? And I'm like, okay. Uh, and then again, it got to his, um, his, his manager down in Los Angeles. And she said, okay, uh, he's agreed to do an interview, but he won't come into the radio station. You'll have to do it at the theater. This is at the Royal theater. It's a little bit bigger than the, the McPherson uh, theater. And like, it'll probably be during the sound check time. Mm-hmm. Like, Sounds great. Awesome. Um, and so I said, okay, well, I would like it to be, you know, myself and Dylan, the other morning show guy, because he's kind of the main host, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and Bud, if Bud could come to record it, um, but, you know, ideally videotape it if possible, but if not, audio record it. And, uh, that'd be awesome. And I didn't really hear much about from, from her after that until it was like getting really, really close. And I kept, I was like, I'm getting nervous now because she's not really getting back to me with more details. Like I need, need to know the time. I need to know. And finally, like two days before he's here, she's like, uh, she called me. She said, "Okay, here's how it's gonna go. Uh, you're gonna uh, you're gonna meet um, Mr. Martin um, at the uh, backstage doors. His uh, tour manager, um, Bill. I can't remember the guy's name. Bill will uh, will greet you and bring you backstage. And uh, you will have five minutes with Mr. Martin. Like, no, five minutes. Five minutes, really? Like that's that's unheard of. Like right. of, of for anybody, five minutes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, and she goes, and uh, you need to keep the questions related to his current banjo tour. Don't ask him anything about comedy." Or his movies or anything else. I'm what like, what the fuck? I'm like, okay. Uh, and then she said, uh, and I said, okay, so can I bring um, Dylan and, and Bud with me? Nope, you have to be by yourself. I'm like, oh, you're fucking kidding me. Okay, so I'm like freaking out now, right? Because uh, did I say it was a couple of days? I'm sorry. This was actually the day of the right. thing, right? The so day this of, this yeah. is like at noon, and she's like, be there at three o'clock. So I've got three hours now to figure out how to ask him five minutes worth of questions about his banjo tour. And uh, go by my so I'm now I'm really nervous because I'm by myself too, and I got there, and she and I also asked if we could video if I could videotape it. She said absolutely not. You can audio tape it. You can bring a little recorder or whatever, and that's mm-hmm. it. So I'm like fuck. So I go, I go down there. And I meet this guy. I got and he was late. He was running late, so it was about an hour later. Finally, I get backstage, and the guy's like, uh, "What do you need to do to set up here?" And I'm like, "Well, I just have this little recorder." And he's like, "Okay, well, we'll go find a room for you." I'm like, well, how about the dressing room? Like, that'd be the best thing. Oh, no, we're not going in the dressing room. God forbid, right? And uh, so we go... Is this a long-winded story? It is, isn't it? Please keep keep
1: going. No, not at
0: all. He puts me in this, like storage area where there's like scaffolding and fucking hard hats hanging off the off the the wall and shit and there's a couple stools I'm like okay I guess this is where you're putting me okay
1: at this point are and, you nervous uh, I'm you like, shitting myself right. I can
0: actually feel sweat dripping down like my face and because it like, uh, seems uh, to
1: me like uh, they're setting it up in a way it, to make me feel nervous yeah, yeah. there's
0: that's you know what that's exactly what it was it was right. like they're they're making this as nerve wracking as possible by giving me information and then changing things and then like you know doing all this stuff right so you, I sit on this stool and I put my little tape recorder on this other stool and i set up a stool for Steve Martin and this t- tour manager says, okay, I'll go get him. So he go gets Steve Martin and Steve Martin walks in the door and I'm like, holy shit, there's Steve Martin, <laughs> fucking oh my God. And I shake his hand and then uh, he goes, don't you need to set up a camera or anything like that? Aren't you videotaping this? No way. And I said, no. And he goes, oh, I thought this was for TV. And he starts, he looks quite angry, right? And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, I've just pissed off Steve Martin, and this is the worst, right? And I'm like, well, no, Mr. Martin, uh, this is uh, I was told I could only do audio. Oh. And so he sits down. I'm like, I think he, like, put on fucking makeup and stuff thinking he was going to be on TV, right. you know? And I'm like, oh, this is it. I've blown it now because I also heard rumors that he can be a bit of a dick sometimes, right? right. And I'm, and that's what I would heard. But anyway, he ended up being super nice. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to stretch this five minutes to whatever I can. And so I, 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 had, I had done something very smart. Um, I know he's a big art collector. He loves collecting art. He's got a like, multi-million dollar art collection. He's also a fan of Emily Carr and of uh, um, Lauren Harris, another like, mm-hmm. group, group of seven artists. And Emily Carr is from Victoria, right? And they have the Emily Carr House here. I went to the Emily Carr House and they uh, to ask them about, you know, what, what uh, kind of things I could get. They gave me for free a huge bag full of Emily Carr stuff to give to Steve Martin, like like uh, like prints and and uh, DVDs and little books and all cool. that stuff. So I gave this to him right away, and I'm like, "This is for you. This is from the Emily Carr House." And he was like, "Oh, wow, thank you!" And he was like going through it, and he was super into it. And I was like, "Yes, okay." Now he's not mad at me anymore. <laughs> And I, I said, do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions about uh, about art? Um, I promise we'll get into the banjo stuff. And he goes, you can ask me whatever you want. I don't care.
1: Who is this person handling so, him that's... This <laughs> is
0: the thing. I, I learned a valuable lesson about about Hollywood, right? Like Steve Martin is a, is a decent guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he has his moments. I don't know. But he's, he's, he's a perfectly friendly, nice guy that will talk to you about whatever. But he is surrounded, whether this is his doing or not, it must be probably, by this like circle of... Um, of of people and there's like he's got you know people and those people have people do you know what I mean Right, and it's gotten to the point where they're so overprotective of him that it makes him come across like a dickhead right do you know what I mean when he's actually not because he doesn't and he's probably not even aware of all of that that right right the worst part of the whole interview the interview actually went well I was nervous as hell and you can tell when you listen to it too Um, but I got some good questions and he was very friendly but then I said to him oh did you watch the video that we made for you and he said no I haven't seen it yet Right, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, why am I even here? I didn't say that, right. but but like, I'm thinking like, why am I? How did why did you agree to this? Like, you know? I mean? And again, I was the only interview he granted in, yeah. in Victoria, um, and I was, I was so disappointed because I wanted him to see this video because the video really, um, demonstrates how much of a stupid fan I am. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And he would have, I think, been a little more loosey goosey. He was pretty. He was, he was pretty Hollywood, right? He's pretty like
1: professional.
0: Yeah, t- he's kind of stiff and yeah. tight. But holy shit! Are you kidding me? It was fucking Steve Martin. Right? Yeah. I and mean, I got to meet him. I got a cell phone selfie with him, and that was good.
1: Yeah, that's right. yeah, crazy. How the handlers are like, you can't. They they make him seem like uh, Billy Bob Thornton when yeah. he had that interview on Q, where it's like, don't ask anything about my award career in yeah. a film, and like just about the band. Like yeah. really, you're fucking Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. Then he loses it when John, uh, John meshi asks. That
0: something. that piece of uh video and audio of that with billy bob thurton is like one of my favorite things in the world it's It's like if you want to see somebody be uncomfortable and uh, be and another person be a complete dick yeah that's the one to watch yeah yeah Yeah. and steve martin was not like that at all he was super nice and yeah it was it's the people around him Mm -hmm. who um yeah it was like they purposely were throwing me off to, to 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 put me off balance and get me nervous yeah uh, to in front of this you know, icon, right? It's like yes, he is an icon, but he's a fucking human being, you know? right?
1: Yeah, and he see. He, I mean, he, from his work, he seems like a nice guy, yeah. and when you see him on like Letterman or whatever, you know, yeah. he seems. But uh, that's pretty cool. Can yeah. can can that be seen anywhere or heard that interview?
0: I think that one is. Um also up there, yeah. I think that one is the zone. I'd have to double check on your computer. Okay, well, here, send but... me the links. Okay. I'll put,
1: up, I'll put up the Robin Williams video. Okay. I'll put up the- That's a lot of stuff here. The yeah. John Cleese mm-hmm. uh, link to yeah. the video and the interview. Okay. And I'll put up the Steve Martin interview yeah. all at uh, facebook.com slash JD Comedy Hour.
0: There you go. And again, the Steve Martin link will have the, uh, if it is still there, it'll have the video that we made and then the audio of the interview, which I stretched to about 10 minutes, by the way.
1: Oh, cool. I got about 10 minutes out of it. That's good. Mind, so. And how? how and did I they, asked him about comedy. And did I you? Oh, good. Yeah, good, good. And how do they end that? Did they just come get him at one point, or? Well, yeah.
0: What happened is about halfway through, the tour manager came back into the room and stood over in the corner. And then uh, when we were coming up on going past our time, he started like tapping his wrist, right, (laughs) right, like time. And then I just kind of ended it. Yeah, it's not. It's not my best work. Trust me, I was so nerve, way more nervous with him than I was with John Cleese. Well, yeah.
1: I mean, with John Cleese, you're in your environment. Yeah, he comes to you exactly, and, and yeah you know you're a little nervous because it's yeah. John Cleese but it's a familiar invi- and this I can't I mean I'm nervous listening to it yeah. like you're in you're in a holding pattern like in this weird <laughs> oh. room oh. and it's oh. like he's it's like you're meeting the president or something it's like he'll be here That's and exactly. just waiting it. for this totally it's just building up in your mind the, yeah. the the prestige and stigma
0: yeah John Cleese was totally like disarming as soon as he walked in the door it was just like hello and it was like ah oh, okay I don't have to be nervous you're, you're, you're awesome right and, and Steve Martin was nice too but it was like yeah the, the whole lead up to it was just like, this is going to be a nightmare. Yeah. Okay. So maybe you shouldn't de- meet your idols. I guess I don't know. <laughs> 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 Only meet the good ones if you can. Uh, well.
1: Um, so people can see you every Friday night here at Heckler's. It's true. And uh, do, do a lot of your listeners know that? Like when they listen to The Zone, do they mm-hmm. know they can come see you? Like do people yeah. come out and see? Because if, if I was in a town and I knew my radio morning radio guy was mm-hmm. doing stand-up every Friday, I'd be there all the time yeah. like, to see what he has to say.
0: Oh, that's cool. Thanks. Yeah, now, yeah. there are people that, uh, that know that. Um, I don't uh, talk about it a lot on the radio because Heckler's doesn't advertise on The Zone anymore. So uh, <laughs> I'm just uh, kidding. Well, I'm not kidding. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but we think most people, yeah, everybody that listens to the Zone Morning Show knows on a comma because we reference it quite a bit. So yeah, they know that I am. They can find me. Yeah,
1: and uh, oh, actually, and I, I do
0: other stuff too. Like I mean, like I do. There's open mics around town that I will pop into, and people hire me for their Christmas parties and shit like that. Too. Cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, if, there you go. If you want to hire Jason Lamb, go to facebook.com/slash jdcomedy. <laughs> no, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do have a website. Yeah, but, but I'll just, tell you right that. now, it is honestly potentially the worst website you've ever seen really oh yeah i had it made and no offense to the guy that made it, it was a sweet man but but uh i just haven't done anything with it for years he made it for me like five years ago but it's
1: JasonLamb.ca. very simple jason J- lamb mm-hmm. l-a-m-b Yep. ca anything else you'd like to plug good sir um no i don't think so i just
0: uh, i hope this was engaging in some way i feel like i was really talking a lot that's about, the point yeah i know it's i don't know you. but i don't know how entertaining it was but Thank you so much for having me. Julian. Thanks for doing it, it,
1: Jay. I appreciate it, and it's always good to see you. Nice to see you as well. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. There you have it, folks. Episode 12 is In the Books. That's the second installment of the West Coast Tapes. Thanks to my guest, Jason Lamb. Be sure to go to facebook.com slash JDComedyHour. I will throw up the Steve Martin, John Cleese Interviews as well as the Robin Williams video. Robin Williams performing at the Urban Well here in Vancouver. Thanks to my producer, Adam Fox, Miles Lacroix, my sound engineer. Vancouver people, I will be performing at the Comedy Mix downtown tomorrow, Wednesday, October 29th. Come check that out. And email the show, pod pod at jdcomedyhour.com. I'll read your emails on the air. Air? I record these things, they're not live follow on twitter and instagram at jd comedy hour and thanks again always you i appreciate it I appreciate the downloads and the feedbacks the feedbacks <laughs> all right that's it watch your head
0: was talking uh to darcy last night the guy that did a guest spot mm-hmm. there um and uh we were both talking like i don't really i never listen to podcasts and i keep hearing from so many comics that oh you know, you've heard this guy's podcast you gotta check out and i've never listened to them ever and i'm right. sorry about that but i i, I should <laughs> i'm gonna listen to yours now especially the oh, one that you. i'm on <laughs> anyway <laughs> but like mark maron i did listen to a couple of mark maron's uh the robin williams one because yeah you know robin williams died and all that stuff but Sorry.
1: Did, did you re-listen to it like recently? When, uh, after, like, yeah, when I that? did. Yeah, 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 it's good. It's Same here. I, pretty I, amazing. Heard it when it first happened like four years ago, and then mm-hmm. yeah, that was a great fucking interview. Yes, it was. Yeah, really good. Really good. All right. So get comfy. You have to sort of eat the mic. Yeah,
0: sure. And I assume there's no, there's no. Uh, I can swear if I need to. Hork hunt. Yeah. Okay, anything whore. goes. Wow, whore cunt. Okay,
1: it's <laughs> <laughs> the best kind. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Okay. So do you have any clips online of any stand up or
0: Um I do. Um I have uh